We're going to start the meeting now with, uh, I'm adjusting the microphone, I hope I don't kill myself, uh, with the set aside prayer. God, help me set aside everything I think I about, know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your truth. Heavenly Father, help us to glorify you tonight by carrying your message in Jesus' name, amen. Just a brief note, a lot of people uh, listen to podcast sites and uh, uh, I'm only putting out one or two a week. If you like it, they're only 50, they usually only keep 40 or 50 podcasts. If you go to the site experiencethebigbook.org and you go to the menu and you push episodes, they're 500 some episodes in their tags. So if anyone's interested. Um, and we're going through the big book again and we're on How It Works, page uh, 60. And in the coming weeks uh, on the site, I'll have the big book in order from Doctor's Opinion through to uh, working with others. And then depends how long I live, uh, get to uh, finished up the page 164. It'll take us a while, probably take us through the summer, June or July. So tonight we're finishing up on um, how it works. I covered the 12 steps. I did a review of the steps on um, Saturday, and we're on page 60 now. And we talked about the 12th step has uh, three parts to it. The result of the steps is your spiritual awakening. Now, if you're spiritually awakened, when you get that certain time when you think about drinking, God's there. So you're not asleep to God. So God will say, no, you don't want to do that. You don't want to drink. And so we want to get to that point. That's the result of the steps is that I'm awakened to the spirit. I'm awakened to God. And I go to God all the time when my emotions get out of, out of whack. I try to go before they get really bad any kind of negative emotion, any disturbance, I go right to God. I want to get back on the beam. I don't want to spend any more time disturbed. Uh, I spent a lot of my life in fear. Anybody else do that? I mean, my whole life till I came here. And it took me a while, maybe the first three, four, five, but now it's, it's quite a few years. I recognize fear right away. It's just being complete nonsense. It's not even true. I'm wasting my time on something that's not true. Now, I don't know about you, but a good alcoholic, any good alcoholics here? Mm -hmm. You can sit in your chair, and you can start with a little fear, and you can go down a whole row in your mind, the whole path of nonsense. And before you know it, you're on the street, homeless, your wife's left you, you're fired from your job, blah, blah, blah. And it could take 90 seconds if you're a really good alcoholic. It's not even true. And so when I start to have any fear, I, I have the God box. It's right there in front of me when I sit in my chair. I get TV in the God box. I just say, God, it's not true. And I don't have too much fear anymore because God's in charge. So when I, I start to even begin to take control, I realize it's a complete waste of time. It's so different than I used to. It takes a long time to practice that. But the more I practice that, the quicker I am to let go of it. Not perfect, but I'm better than, because I'm always going to have some fear because my ego or Satan or whatever you would call it is always saying, Michael, you need to worry about this. 
What, what are you doing sitting here? Enjoy yourself. You need to worry about this. <laughs> Wake up. Now, it's not true. And I heard someone say, when you get these thoughts, you ask your thinker who's telling you this what their source of information is. And it's nonsense. And it's, it's Satan. It's the devil. It's the ego, whatever you want to call it. But it's not God. And so I don't want to listen to that anymore. And so, and it says, we tried to carry this message to, and in the original book it said, to others, especially alcoholics. And Josh and I talked, this is the message that needs to go to the world. This is the spiritual message for Christians on how to grow in the image and likeness of their creator. This is how you do what Christ told us to do. These steps are like the spiritual principles on how to do that. Remember, they took uh, this from the Oxford group from the Sermon on the Mount, 1 Corinthians, Book of James. And then the third part, and, and carrying the message to alcoholic is not, uh, you know, you're going to carry the message to someone. This is not a dating service. This is not Match.com. I mean, I'm being silly, but carrying the message to others is carrying the steps. And you've heard about the 13th step and this and that. Uh, we have to try to carry, the, and if we're not carrying this message to another alcoholic, then we're going to lose the message. If you're not carrying it, you're going to lose it. You have to be working with others to grow spiritually. Um, and then to practice these principles, nobody laughed when I said match.com, I guess it wasn't funny, but, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what did Andrew say? Is that funny? What's that? All right, stop. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's been a long time. And, and to practice these principles, uh, people are turning off already. And to practice these principles in all our affairs. How do I practice the principles in all our affairs? Well, that's what we've just learned. We're going to learn in the next uh, 28 pages. And then to wives, the family afterwards, employers, and vision for you is how you practice the principles, how you live the spiritual life, how you do it with others. Those are called the lost chapters. They're not read much. But to wives, family afterwards, to employers is powerful information on how to live the spiritual life. And we go through that, and I've gone through it before. It's on the site. Um, and it says, uh, many of us, and if you're not practicing these principles in all your affairs, what principles are you practicing? We don't want to practice our character defects, do we? We don't want to practice our resentments and fears and make bad decisions based on self and harm ourselves and others, do we? No. We want to practice the spiritual principles. How do you know when you're not practicing the spiritual principles? You don't feel good. It's that simple. You're irritable, you're restless, you're fearful, you're judgmental. You're not on the beam with God. And so we're going to read on page 88. 88 says, at the end of this instruction on these steps, it says, this is how God disciplines us. So God disciplines me when I'm not practicing the spiritual principles because I don't feel good. When I'm in fear, I'm playing God. When I'm uh, irritable or restless, I'm judging. I'm practicing uh, wrong thinking. Okay, so it said, many of us explain. And remember, uh, what are we supposed to practice each day? Love and tolerance. Is that right? Do you know what your purpose is in AA? Does anybody know? It's in the big book. Wouldn't that be something? 
And it's read it, I don't think I've ever heard it read at a meeting. And so it says on page 80, 77. Everybody turn to page 77, is this okay? Make sure I leave enough time so everybody talks. Uh, it says, at the moment we're trying to put our lives in order. Now they're giving the instructions on page eight and nine. And so you're trying to put your life in order in three ways. The first is you're trying to put your life in order with God. What steps do that? Steps one, two, and three. Then you're trying to put your life in order with your thinking. You want your thinking in line with God, right? And that's steps four, five, six, and seven. And then what's the third thing you're putting your life in order? Your relationships with people. So you don't have fear of people anymore. And that's steps eight and nine. Does this make sense? It's powerful. Because when I came in, my life was completely out of order. Anybody else? And now it's pretty much in order the more I, when I practice this and when I do it. Now, but he says that's not the end in itself. Our real purpose, this is your real purpose in AA, is I need to fit myself, so that's what I need to do. I need to, I used to read it, my real purpose is to be of maximal service to God and the people about us, but that's not what it says. It says my real purpose is to fit myself. So unless I'm fit, spiritual condition, fit in relationship to God, I can't be of service to God and the people about me. So that's what we're really trying to do in AA. We're trying to fit ourselves spiritually so we could serve God and others. And when we do that, our life's gonna be good. We're not fitting ourselves so we can get more money or we can uh, get more approval or we can get more things, you get it? We're fitting ourselves to be of service to God and others. What's the highest office in AA? Trusted servant. You get, you get it? And if I'm serving God, then I'll feel okay. If I'm serving Michael, I won't feel okay. It's not that complicated. Pretty simple, isn't it? Let's go back to page 60. It says, many of us exclaim, what an order, I can't go through with it. Well, I've heard that. They don't really say that, they say, well, I'll, I'll see you next week, or sure, let's get together, and then they cancel, or they don't do the assignment. You get it? They don't call, they don't follow through. Uh, but it's really not that hard. It's, the instructions are very simple. It doesn't take very long to go through steps uh, three through nine, a few weeks. What an order, I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain, any, maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. I think that's good because we tend to beat ourselves up. Now, I remember on page 86, when you're doing the inventory at night, after you've looked at what a mess you made of the day, it says we don't want you to get into morbid reflection because that would diminish your usefulness to God and others. And then we say a prayer. I say it every night, God, forgive me. And I ask him for what corrective measures. I'm asking God to work in my mind, give me the right thoughts on how I can live a better life in accordance with his will. And then you go to sleep. You don't have to carry over any of the crap to the next day. 
Now, if you carry over the crap to the next day, whose fault is that? Yours. It's just like I screwed up my life. So it's very simple. The instructions are good. So that you don't have to be perfect adherence to these principles, but you should try. Now, we are not saints, and I know that's true. But we, we are saints in the fact that we're all believers and we all love God. And then we have a fellowship together to grow. But we're not, if you're a Christian, you're not glorified till you die. But you, you are considered a saint and you're growing in the image of likeness the more you do this. Some people grow very little, some people grow a lot. Now what, what uh, the point is that you're willing to grow along spiritual lines. Are you willing to do that? And it has to be 100%. It has to be all, every day, all day. It can't, nine o'clock, your willingness to grow won't help you at three when you're, you're all worked up about something. So you have to, you have to say, I, God, I need you right now. I need to grow an understanding of effectiveness of, of living with you. Help me deal with whatever it is. Waiting in line at the store. Wife was upset. We went to the gas station. There were too many people. The lady pulled up too far. Uh, she was all worked up. I prayed for her, and but you see, it could happen, you know, and, and uh, these are little things. But for alcoholics, these little things we call the mouse turds. We pole vault over them. You get it? We make them really big, and as if an alcoholic's living in self-centeredness, this stuff is going to build up and up, build up and build up. And then why do people drink again? Not because they're bad people, but because their emotions have built up to the point, living self-centered, where the idea of a drink sounds good. It relieves that. But we want to have God now, so we're going to go to him all the time. The principles we have set down are a guide to progress. It's the spiritual path. There are other ways. AA doesn't claim to have the only way. Don't get me wrong. This isn't the only way to live a spiritual life, but it's the only way I know of. Now, I know which way doesn't lead to a spiritual life, and that was my way. So I had to give up on my way, and AA has a way that works for me. Now, if you're new, you don't know that that's true. But if you do it, you'll know it's true. So A is saying, do an experiment. Your life's an effing mess. Follow these instructions and tell us what happens. And that's how, that's how it should be at meetings. My life was a mess 21 or 22 years ago. It's, it's okay now. Why? Because I've done this and I continue to do it. And so um, you, you want to grow along spiritual lines. You can never let up on this course of spiritual action. It says that on page 85. You know why? Because alcohol is a deadly foe. It's waiting. And so it says we must maintain a fit spiritual condition. And so that's what they're talking about. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Now, I used to say, well, why don't they want to why didn't we want to be perfect? Well, because we can't be. And alcoholics want to be perfect, and we want to be okay, and we want everybody to know it. So we're setting ourselves up for uh, self-pity and resentment. You see what I'm saying? 
And so this is right. We're just going to grow. And we have to laugh at ourselves when we, when we uh, get back in self and we're disturbed. We say, boy, that was silly. That was so stupid. I was wrong about something else. I, I can't remember now. Oh, we went to a restaurant that we've driven by 100 times, 500 times. And I said, no, I'm not going to like that place. You know, I didn't like the name. It used to be in a pet store. So my wife didn't want to go to a restaurant. It used to be in a pet store. For years, so tonight I decided to go, and it was really good. Son of a gun, isn't that something? And I love that. I love when I see that these ideas that I had, that I believed that it was no good, right, were wrong. And it could be anything. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Now, our description of the alcoholic, the description of the alcoholic, is really in the first. Uh, 44 pages of doctor's opinion. It describes our allergy to alcohol. It describes our obsession of the mind. That once we get this obsession of mind because our emotions build up, we cannot say no to the idea of a drink. And once we drink, we have the phenomena craving. So we have an obsession of the mind, we have loss of choice, and we have an allergy to alcohol loss of control. So if you're an alcoholic, you should never drink. And every alcoholic says, I know that. But we can't keep from drinking because we have no choice. And that makes us powerless over alcohol. And that gives us a hopeless condition of mind and body. Now, I had a hopeless condition of mind and body. But it was seemingly hopeless. Because they had a hopeless condition and they did this and they're not hopeless anymore. And I had a hopeless condition. Uh, absolutely hopeless. But my life today is pretty good. How do I go from a hopeless condition of mind and body to where I am today? Doing this meeting, teaching Romans tomorrow. How'd that happen? God, people, following directions, following through on the plans, going 100% in, doing it every day, working with a lot of people. I mean, it's not a simple thing, but it's easy. Simple but not easy, Bill said. It's the destruction of self-centeredness. So how do you destroy your self-centeredness? You're seeking God and doing this all day long. And so the description of the alcoholic, then they have a chapter to the agnostic, the chapter to the person who's never used God's power in their lives. They have no knowledge of God. That's all alcoholics. Uh, every, a lot of people come here, they go to mass every day, they go to church, they love the Lord, they read scriptures, Bible studies, and they can't stop drinking. Why? Because they're running the show. They've never let this power that they talk about and they believe in actually work in their lives. And we were just reading the instructions to the four steps, uh, someone before the meeting, and we're going to face and be rid of the stuff that's blocking me from God's power. And then I have to do that the rest of my life, all the time. So the chapter the agnostic we just finished, it's powerful information. Uh, there were people here who probably never studied it before. It really opened your eyes. Powerful spiritual information written by people who were not spiritual giants. Hello, it was us. And uh, they wrote, uh, what, 10 or 12 pages. It's fantastic. And then our personal adventures before and after what? Before and after we had the spiritual awakening. And here's the clear pertinent ideas. Three pertinent ideas. 
pertinent means it, it applies to us. So the first one is that, A, I'm an alcoholic. And you have to know what that means. And a lot of people come to AA, they've been to treatment, and I ask them, well, what makes you an alcoholic? And they don't know. They say they drink a lot. Well, that's true. But an alcoholic, it says, the first step of recovery is we had to fully concede to ourselves that we're alcoholics. The idea that we're ever going to be like normal people has to be smashed. Yeah, Stu, calm down. Uh, he had a chocolate chip cookie before the meeting. And, and well, it's true. That's page 30. It's the beginning of the chapter uh, more about alcoholism. And then alcoholic. Do I know that I can't take one drink? Do I know that I'll never have the power or choice? Am I broken? Am I humble to the point that I know I can't fix this? And I can't manage my own life. One, I can't manage not to drink. Two, I'm in conflict with everybody and everything. People who love me, they're, start, they're get, drawing away from me. I'm hurting people that I care about. My life is unmanageable. Two, they probably know. Now, why did they put probably? Because they don't want to make absolutes. Because then people, so it's probably, well, it's probably for me. No human power can relieve my alcoholism. My wife can't relieve it. People in church, the minister, AA, the AA fellowship can't relieve it. It's human power. Now, I hear a lot of people say that they made the group their higher power. There was a guy who was 10 years in recovery. He said, I, you guys are my higher power. And I looked at the people in the room, and I said, wow, I don't want that. Now, people say that in the beginning because what they mean is they have no solution. They're coming here, and they're going to listen to what people have to say. And, and this is a group of people that are seeking God, and that makes a lot of sense because God works through people. But in the end, it has to be someone one-on-one -on -one going through these directions down the path to God. Anybody I work with, I'm not recovering them. I don't have the power to do that. I could just show them how to find the power, how, what I did. No human power. Therapy. Intense out, we have intense outpatient therapy in Topeka. I don't know if you have that. It's intense. That means they charge more. That was a joke. Nobody laughed. Uh, three or four times a week. Now, intense outpatient therapy is good. But it's not this. It's not the book. It's not the steps. Now, the book's $5. You could probably charge $120 for intense outpatient therapy three times a week. One guy, a famous speaker, said that he came to AA and he told this uh, the sponsor that he'd been to treatment 50 times. So the guy, sponsor, said, well, you paid half a million dollars for a big book. You get it? It's very simple. But people want to make it complicated. Follow the directions of this book. When Curtis died in 2008, God told me to teach the book. It'll help me. Now, I didn't really know how to do it, but I've done so many meetings now, I don't even look at it ahead of time. But I had to learn. I had to learn a book. I listened to almost every speaker and XA speakers, all the fellowships. was in it all the time. Well, it helped me a lot. And then hopefully I was able to help somebody else. No human power can do it. It's got to be God. Now, the path to God, it says on page 100, you and the new man must walk hand in hand both you and the new man must, notice the word must, walk day by day 
the path of spiritual progress. That's all we're doing. It doesn't say that the you you're you're better than the new man. He's carrying you on a throne or anything. You're walking hand in hand, day by day in the path. None of us are any better than anybody else in AA. We just have more experience. That's all we're doing. We're teaching, using our experience to help somebody else. Remember experience, strength, and hope? You've heard that. And that's what we're doing. And remember, God works through people. Now, when I came to the 2100 Club on that Saturday morning, almost uh, 21 years ago, I guess in two weeks or three weeks, I can't remember, um, I didn't realize that the lady at the medical board, she said, well, you know, my husband goes to that meeting. And he goes to the club. And then I went to the club and there was this guy talking and he made a lot of sense. And I, and I don't know why, because it's not like my personality. I asked him to be my sponsor. Now, it wasn't until like three or four years later that I realized that she'd sent him down there. <laughs> you get it? And, and he goes there all the time and it was Cliff and Cliff died. He actually became my patient and then he died of cancer and I sat with him when he took his last breath. Can you think of that? You go to a meeting, you're dying, you meet somebody who helps you, and then five years, maybe six years later, you're holding his hand, and, and I said to him, it's okay, Cliff, it's okay to go. His wife was holding his hand, and he took, he just died in peace. How does that happen? And so, um, God works through people, don't forget that. And if you don't use people, and then you're not going to make it. You're not going to read this book on your own and make it. You're not going to sit at meetings and listen and make it. You have to have God. God will put people in your life and use those people. That God couldn't would if he were sought. Does anybody believe that? I know that's true. He has. And he's still doing it. I have to continue to seek him. You know why? Because I'm alcoholic. And I have a mortal alcohol is a mortal foe. And I have to stay in fit spiritual condition. I have to fit myself to be of service to others, right? And so God can and will if I seek him. Now what happens if I'm sober 20 years and I stop reading the book and praying and talking to people and get back into Michael? How long will it take for me to drink? I don't know, but I don't want to find out. You get it? It's a continuous program of recovery, 1 through 12 all the time. Steps 10 and 11 is one through nine every day. Step 12 is, are you working with someone? Are you practicing the principles? Are you carrying the message? God can would if he sought. And you want to seek him. I wrote page 28. Is that okay? My book's falling apart, so I hate to turn the pages. But it says, here was the terrible dilemma. The dilemma that the person found himself was because he couldn't live sober and, and he needed a vital spiritual experience. And it said, we in our turn, so this is what they did, sought the same escape from what? From me, from my alcoholism, my self-centeredness, my separation God, with all the desperation of a drowning man. You see that? I want to work with people who are desperate. I would like to have find somebody that would come up to me and say, what do I need to do? I haven't had that yet. Maybe it'll happen 
students, uh, people don't usually come up and say, what do I need to do? I have a hopeless condition, mind, body. Please help me. Because that's really what we're saying. Now listen to this. Now, if has anybody ever been drowning for a little bit? It's no fun. Anybody ever caught in a riptide? When you go to the beach and then you get pulled under? I used to happen when I was a kid. I go to the beach. My aunt and uncle live near the beach. We grew up poor. We go visit them in the summer. I go to the beach. I had such a great time. And I get pulled under, and then wow, oh, that's a bad experience. And so we we want the desperation of a drowning man. You've heard of waterboarding? You see it on the movies? I've never done it or had it happen, but it doesn't look like fun, right? They're pouring water over your drowning. Now these people, they'll do anything to have that stop, right? And and we have to have that same desperation. The gift you hear about the gift of desperation, it's a powerful gift. If we don't have the gift of desperation, then we're not going to do the rest of it. And how do we get the gift of desperation? Pain. God gives us a moment of grace when we can face the constitutionally capable of seeing the truth about my situation. Then I'm screwed. I'm hopeless. But as soon as you do that, you ask God for help, things start to happen. I guarantee it'll happen if you do that. And then it says, what first seemed first, the flimsy read, going to meetings. You know, uh, having coffee, meeting people, reading the book, starting to work the steps. Guess what happens? It proves to be the loving and powerful hand of God. So if you want the loving and powerful hand of God, you have to start doing the work. And at first it seems like a flimsy read, but it turns into the loving and powerful hand of God. It's a very powerful paragraph. It says, a new life has been given me or a design for living that really works, and my design for living did not work. So with a desperation of a drowning man, you do the work, it seems like a flimsy read, it becomes the powerful hand of God, and you have a new way of life. That's a powerful paragraph on page 28. Was it okay that I went back to that? Mm -hmm. Good. That God could and would if he were sought. Now, you don't have to worry about your, your understanding of God. You don't have to worry about what it's going to look like or any of that. You do this and God will reveal himself to you. Page 83. We suddenly realize that God is doing for me what I could not do for myself. You'll start realizing you don't think about alcohol. You're getting less irritable. You're actually being nice to, nice to people that you don't like. You're being patient. You're being tolerant. You're not giving your wife advice all the time on how she should live her life. I was so good at that. Anybody else good at that? I was good at giving people advice on what they should do to be happy. <coughs> Isn't that ridiculous? Nobody's laughing, but I guess I'm the only one that ever did that. But uh, it just comes, comes normally. And it's a ridiculous. You get it? So um, I've babbled enough. <laughs> But uh, these are powerful words. Now, uh, Saturday, we're going to start to look at the step three instructions, which are three pages. I usually take uh, two or three meetings to go through that. So we'll open it up. Sorry if I talk too long. Sorry if the jokes weren't funny. That's OK. <laughs>